Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a free title, and get started now. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct Football Podcast this week, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I've got JB and Kyle Beats with me. What's going on, boys? J-Mac, great to be back in the booth here with both you gentlemen. We're coming off a, a big 3 and one weekend on Best Bets, so that feels good to roll in with some winners in our pocket and hopefully yours as well. And uh, Kyle, how are you feeling about cashing at the window? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not feeling amazing about my Browns prediction on this podcast, which I'll fully own up to. I think I took them as my confident NFL pick minus five, which uh, as we saw, certainly did not work out. You were very overly confident on, on him. I mean, I hate that I got caught up in that Browns hype, man. I love like the, just the OBJ Baker Landry. It's just a sexy appeal to me. And I just got caught up in it because they got shut down by the Titans. And I don't think any of us see the Titans as a contender this year. I want to throw out a fun stat. We're going to get to the NFL later in the show. Just you guys know the format. Hopefully by now we'll go college NFL, but um, fun stat. How many passes do you think were caught by wide receivers from the Tennessee Titans on their W? How many catches for all their, all their wide receivers combined in a normal game? I would say at least 15 to 20. Sure. But- they, they had four. They had right. four <laughs> yeah. total catches. So, I mean, it was essentially like watching a peewee football game where, <laughs> hey, we're going to hand it off, hand it off, and then we're going to do a play-action dump to a tight end. It was yeah. that type of game plan, and it worked. And I, it was just Browns-esque, right? I mean, that, it's the Browns. I was going to say, that tells you a lot more about the Browns than it does the Titans, that game to me. That's unreal, J-Mac, unreal. I, I'm, I'm already questioning this Freddie Kitchens thing. Jason, you were yes. huge on Freddie Kitchens. I I mean, there was no adjustments made whatsoever. And I definitely it, think that Baker tried to force a bunch. So, like, that's not necessarily, like, a right. coaching fault. But, like, there was no, like, Vrabel just kept ramming it down their throats over and over and over again. And it just, that's, I mean. Look. There's a couple things on this game, and I, I don't want to get too deep into the NFL here, uh, but since we're on it, and I don't think we're going to cover too much of the Browns this week, um, you know, Baker does have a hand injury going on, um, which happened earlier on in the game. So I think that's something to note. Um, and <laughs> they pretty much did everything from the shotgun. If you rewatch that game, there's not a lot under center, which was a little bit confusing to me. And you know, I throw in the red zone. I'll stream a couple games specifically, and that was one I definitely wanted to watch. So, uh, actually, we're going to dive into the Monday night football game. So, we'll touch yeah, on we'll this one there. A, a little bit deeper. Um, you know, as we mentioned, we're going to start with college football today and then move into the NFL. J-Mac, I know you and Kyle Beats both high on the Michigan Wolverines revving to the college football playoffs. They took on an Army team that – you would say, hey, we're going to have the muscle and push around. J-Mac and Kyle, what's your thoughts after seeing that game? I'll tell you one thing. Whenever I saw the speech that the coach at Army gave, I, I, what's his name? He's uh, He's got a perfect like football name. but yeah, We'll look it up. Yeah, we'll yeah. Look it up. Anyway, I saw him give that speech. I would run through a brick wall for that guy, and I've never seen a right. game of Army football. like That dude amped that team up and went out and just surprised the hell out of him. I mean... I was I stayed away from that just in case because Army's l- one of those teams. They did it to OU last year where they came out and took them down to the wire. OU won, but they're always really close. And I think they felt really good about where they were. And I think Harbaugh was, wasn't ready for that. Didn't feel that Jeff way. Monken. Jeff Monken, Kyle, that's oh, what yep. took almost. <laughs> I mean, they had a chance with, uh, you know, <sighs> hey, let's kick your first career field goal on the road versus a top 10 team. Uh, Kyle, are you concerned? Do you think, you know, sometimes you see with these teams, a scare or a loss really wakes them up earlier in the year. Kyle, do you think that's going to be the reaction we see on a hardball in the boys in Michigan? I do think that's going to be the reaction. 
Uh, I still have confidence in this Michigan team. This was a letdown. Uh, they were a 58-yard field goal away from being beat in regulation. Just, you know, that's a hard, tough situation for that kid. Army is just a team that comes ready to fucking play every week. And Michigan was probably overlooking this game just a little bit. I mean, they were definitely on the radar, I would say, because of what happened in Norman last year where they took OU to overtime. But they have, you know, Michigan has Wisconsin uh, coming up, not this weekend, but next, or on a bye. They have Wisconsin coming up uh, at Wisconsin, and that's a big game. And maybe they were overlooking it a little bit. That being said, no excuse for what occurred because they have a better athlete at every level at every position. So I do have a lot of concern about that Michigan pick. You know, you picked Ohio State, and I think that's probably looking a lot better given what they did uh, to Cincinnati this weekend. But until Michigan loses a game because of where they're ranked right now, I'm still riding that pick. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. That's where I'm at, too. Jason, yeah, what do you I, see I there? Can't, I can't wait to see kind of how these two teams develop. I think I was texting you guys both throughout the game. Uh, you know, Shea Patterson really looked well early on his career at Old Miss when he's been in that shotgun-type formation. That's what he's comfortable in. And really, we haven't seen Harbaugh allow him to do that. So it's going to be interesting to me to see if maybe Harbaugh throws caution to the wind or w- what he needs to do to open up this offense. You know, Tariq Black, they, they have some terrific wide receivers on the outside, especially playing in the Big Ten that can really be more athletic than what they're seeing in the secondary. So, you know, another game we talked a lot about was the LSU Tigers and the Texas Longhorns. I was banging the drum for the LSU Tigers uh, for you guys. <laughs> Hopefully you did listen. Joe Brady, uh, the new OC there, got Joe Burrow humming. Uh, Kyle... J-Mac, you guys believers in my uh, kind of sleepers of the scent pick to make the college football playoffs now? Yeah, I like that pick a lot. They look a lo- I'm a lot more sure of it than I was, that's for sure. And I think Joe Burrow definitely stepped up in a huge way there. I haven't seen LSU's offense look like that in a very long time. It's because it ha- hasn't looked like that I know, in a long I time. don't even really remember, like pre-Less Miles maybe, maybe first few years of Less Miles? Yeah, I mean, th- this is pre-Less Miles era and – uh, this is why you have to do your research in the offseason. You know, we talked about this line opening at a pick em and and went all, all the way up to minus seven for LSU, and that's where it ended. So you talk about getting the best of the number. That, that's why you really got to, you know, preach that as you guys are looking to go to the window. If you're game day right before, you may not be cashing with everyone if you're waiting the last second. But I am excited to see this team play Alabama and the rest of these SEC schools because, uh, I mean, we talked about the Heisman odds last episode joe burrow is now right up there with trevor lawrence uh tua and jalen hurts you know this is as he should be with that performance right so i mean kyle right now i I think we can probably narrow it down to those guys you know maybe you can throw jake Fromm in there is there someone after last week that you're now kind of keen in on i'm still gonna ride high on my swift pick for georgia but it's it's gonna end up being one of these quarterbacks it is it's gonna be trevor Uh, lawrence dude he looks fantastic trevor lawrence looks fantastic but speak to the joe joe burrow i mean what he's doing for this lsu offense is huge because these this is a team that always has five-star athletes at pretty much every position in the skill position on offense so to be able to open it up like that and joe brady's play calling is part of that but for joe burrow to get these um get these guys in open space is fantastic. But I, what I was impressed with in – I was all on LSU. I told you I thought they were going to win that game. I know how good that team is. I told you they were, they were my fifth team. That's the team I kept out. By yep, just, yep. You know, because of the way the SEC breaks down, they may lose two games because of the championship. Uh, that being said, I do like, because I'm a Big 12 guy, what Texas did. And they turned LSU into a Big 12 school, basically, in that game. It was 45-38. Yeah. I mean, defense was kind of out the window in that second half. Yeah, that, that's spot on. I thought that was very interesting. And I, it turned into – usually you see teams kind of fold up. Hey, we got the lead. We They feel like they have to run the ball to move the clock. And LSU said, screw it, man. We're going to continue to throw it. We're picking apart your secondary. And then Texas said the same thing. Hey, Ellinger's going to scramble. He's going to throw. He's going to run. We're just going to, you know, turn this into, as you mentioned, I mean, what was it, 21-6 at half, something around yeah. that. Uh, but also it's a tale of Texas. I mean, had every chance to win that game. You know, they opening drive, they dropped a wide open touchdown. They got stuffed again on the next drive at the one yard line. That was terrible. I I mean, it could have been a very different story at the same time. So I feel fortunate LSU did win, but when you watch that game, you really felt, man, LSU, this is going to be a a team to reckon with, especially for them to go on the road, 
I know you're in Austin there, Kyle. You've spoken about uh, the environment. Is that a tough place to play in from your you know time visiting games there? I mean, just in my opinion, any stadium that has 90,000 people is going to be somewhat difficult to play in. Definitely. Uh, that was a hell of a scene. Traffic in the city was crazy that day. There was a lot of people in town. There was a lot of LSU uh, representation at that game, though. It was probably a 80-20, 75-25 split. Uh, that being said, wow. I, do th- I do think the crowd was a, was a big deal. Um, and I think Texas actually, even that, is there such thing as a good loss? Like, I think that's a good loss. And I respect Texas for playing this game because we don't want to see Alabama beat New Mexico 62 to 10. Yeah. Like, we need more of these home and homes uh, between group of, uh, excuse me, power five schools instead of beating up on these group of five. Like, play one or two group of five, but don't play three and you're out of conference. Yeah. Go play somebody. Like, make, make the first few weeks fun for us before we jump into conference play. I think that's true because I think that A&M just kind of went through the same thing with Clemson. It was a right. tough loss, but it was a good loss. Like, I mean, they, <laughs> they lost by two touchdowns, but I mean, I mean, we called Texas's the line. loss was better than A&M's loss. I will say that. Uh, but A&M was a hell of a cover for uh, those listening to our uh, our confidence picks. I was sweating that one out as well. But I mean, the A&M just got <laughs> outmatched at every position overall. Like Clemson is just hands down better than they are. And that's fine. I don't think anybody thought they were going to go in there and beat Clemson. Like so, yeah. I, at the end, like I think that people legitimately thought that Texas could beat o, uh, LSU. Yeah, and I don't I think didn't. anybody ever thought. Well, yeah, you watch college football. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you guys brought up a good point. Just scheduling issues, and you know, this is a topic I did want to talk about a little bit with both of you on a new scheduling cork then I think it really solve exactly what you guys are talking about so as you guys know at the end of the year the teams are rewarded with a nice bowl game sometimes you go to Detroit sometimes you go to Cincinnati which doesn't sound too great in December uh you know outside of the teams going to Florida I, I think you leave obviously the playoffs alone you do that but my proposal for kind of solving college football's scheduling cork is to move the bowl games to week one of the following season that week zero type of setting and it just hear me out here. It, okay. It's supposed to be a reward for the kids. Like you, you know, you win, right. you get to a bowl game. It's rewarding. There's nothing rewarding about going to Michigan in December. It's true. And on the other front, these do bring in a lot of money for the schools. It brings a lot of popularity yes. in. But how many times are you like checking your phone, ESPN gets your teams in a bowl game, but it's on like a Wednesday during a work week at 1 p.m.? It's true. Yeah, it's very it's true. You're in a time where we have the NFL in the heat of it. Obviously, college football wrapping up. You have NBA and NHL going on. You know, you got MLB offseason. There's so much going on. It has to compete with so many aspects that I think it almost has lost its luster. And certainly part of that is coming from the amount of bowl games that we now do have. So That's, my pro- that's the problem is the amount. Right. But my proposal to this, because I do think you need to keep them. At, you can't remove bowl games now is for the following year to have them start at week zero. And it's going to allow more matchups that we normally wouldn't see. Right. It's way more rewarding for these kids to go onto a neutral site, travel out before school started, you know, this second or third week of August, and have the Bulls played then. It's also a huge recruiting tool that you can use with kids getting brought in. It's a great point. I am not saying remove the Rose Bowl and ruin the Rose Bowl parade. You leave those – you alone, know, those, yeah. You know those top bowl games in the college playoffs alone, but the Music City Bowl or the Idaho Potato Bowl, the Minor uh, Key Car Care Bowl, all that. Exactly, and all of these, all of these, you know, yeah, they count versus your record. These certainly don't exclude that. You keep your twelve game regular season, but you have the bowl game up front. It helps you kind of move into the season. You're not going to have you know a conference opponent most likely. And I think it's going to be seen as much more of a reward for these guys starting the year off like that. And tell me you would not be excited to start the year with 30 to 40 bowl games of just crazy matchups. To me, that seems way more exciting than cramming in everything during NFL season, MLB offseason, NBA and NHL. That's my personal thought. I think it's a way that college football could you know, increase exposure and also – uh, kind of flip it around, but w- what's your guys' thoughts on that, dude? I'm I'm gonna do something very special that we never do on this show for that idea alone. Thank you. Thank I get you. an applause like that. That is an inc- 
incredible idea. That might That's be a great the, idea. Like Kyle knows, you both know this about me. I love trying to figure out ways that we could make sports better in any d- type of way. Like I, I love going down the rabbit hole and figuring all that kind of stuff out. This might be the best like idea of fixing a sport I've ever heard of. Like this is yep. an incredible plan. That would work great, dude. I can't see a thing that's wrong with it. No, and the two biggest points is that it's going to instantly, because there's so much anticipation for college football and just football in general when it's lagging in July there, when you can open it up with those kind of games versus what we had this weekend, which is just really a shit show, is going to drive so much more interest, so much more ad revenue because so many people are going to be tuned in. And then to Jason's point, the recruiting aspect of this is huge because a lot of these kids – you know, these kids going to their senior year of high school, that's going to be during their summer. They can still go. Like, it just makes things so much easier. Exactly. I, think that's a, I think that's a great idea. Uh, as much as I like your relegation in the NBA, this is going to be the best <laughs> yeah. idea I've heard. I haven't laid that one out yet, but that's coming. That's done. Um, <laughs> the other thing I love about it is think about being able to pull out and do a bowl pick them right at the beginning of the season. Then people right. start thinking about like, hey, let's let's keep an eye on what Ohio State's you know going to continue to do after I, you know, pick them in this thing or that, you know, like just that general interest, it just grinds up more and more vested interest, even if there's not a reason to have it there. And I think that's, that's one of the best things about like what the tournament does in basketball. It's perfect. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, you have, so this year, you know, that started the last week of August college football, you could use those first three weeks of August and have two bowl games a day you know, you could play it up 20 days of bowl games, however you want to word it up. But this is really something that would get, I think, the sport way more exposure. And I think to your guys' point, something that I really didn't think about to the level that you guys are is just the recruiting aspects. Kyle, you mentioned it. Recruiting-wise, the high school kids are still, you know, in summer. It's an easy way to do it. And I just think it's a much bigger reward to also the college kids who have attending classes, you get to go spend like let's say a week in the Bahamas or a week in Hawaii, a week in Florida, a week rather in Michigan. Than, yeah. Hey, we still got finals going on, or we just wrapped up finals. We're gonna stay in, you know, practice in Cincinnati in our dome. You know, th- this just feels like the reward that it's supposed to be, and it'd make my life a whole lot less stressful trying to study for all these games with everything else Dude, going you're, on. You're a maniac no at that time of year. <laughs> I selfishly want them to move them because J-Mac knows. Bowl, I love the bowl games, but my gosh. I mean, when you got football for 12 hours a day, trying to study that and all the other sports going on at one time, it is it's mentally exhausting. It's <laughs> hard to have holiday? a life, man. It's crazy. Yeah. But I, you, I can't put enough of a premium on going to Hawaii versus going to Cincinnati, as you said. <laughs> Justin knows I put an over amount of premium on location. On location. As, uh, <laughs> like we talk about in the NBA, I'm just absur- obsessed with location. But I do think that that's a huge point. And I, I hope I hope there's somebody at Higher Powers listening because that's something that needs to be adopted. Yeah. I don't hey, see hey, <laughs> If you get stuck onto the Music City Bowl in Detroit, I think that's where it's at. At least it'd be the summer. They got a lake, right? I mean, right. You, can do, you can do something, well, something. over. You know, do, you guys remember you watched the ESPN games and they show the activities they did going on, and it's like them eating barbecue or playing horseshoes at a bar. You're like, that's not. I mean, you could do that in any college town. Give these kids something to look forward to. I don't. Right. Know, We've but. got that all the way to basically November of seeing but, that stuff. Pretty much. Well, yeah. on that front, you know, a matchup that we would maybe like to see in a, a bowl game type of scenario. We're going to break down one college football game. We have the Stanford Cardinals going on the road to play UCF, uh, you know, a team that's been well documented. Kind of a couple key notes I'll give you guys on this game. KJ Costella is back for Stanford after his concussion versus Northwestern. Uh, while they get him back, he does lose his blindside protector and Walker Little. Um, and the big news for UCF is now they have three quarterbacks battling out. You know, Brandon Wimbush, uh, probably a name a lot of you know, Notre Dame transfer who started week one, uh, sat out last week for Dylan Gabriel, a true freshman, I think two or three star recruit. Uh, look, looked okay, but uh, Darrell Mack now comes back, a uh, redshirt sophomore who stepped in last year for Milton's injury. So we kind of got a cluster going on there. Um, you know, Kyle, I'll throw it to you real quick. Do you have any notes kind of on either one of these teams uh, on where you're leaning? The, the line's seven and a half for Stanford, plus seven and a half, which 
I mean, just looking at it first, you're like, wow, okay, group, you know, group five, mm. power five, man, you give me a touchdown and a half. I'm kind of interested. That's definitely the look you get when you first look at that number. But you have to keep in mind, UCF is a really good home team. They haven't lost a home game in a long True. time. They're mm. a really good home team. And if go back and look at, uh, they played one home game this year. Go look at, they won 62 0 against Florida AM. Do what you will with that number. But going back and looking at last year, they won all their home games by more than a touchdown. Now, granted, they were playing, uh, you know, mostly group of five schools. Uh, they did, yeah, I mean, their schedule's pretty weak, I'll be honest. Yeah. But I actually like UCF in this game. I think Stanford and the Pac-12 are overrated. Uh, I think uh, Shaw's a good coach. I mean, I like him, but this getting the quarterback back helps, but I definitely like UCF somehow more across the board at every position as far as skill positions go. Even though it's a group of five school, I like what they present more there. The line in the trenches, Stanford has a huge advantage, and if they win the game or cover, it'll be because of that. The thing that gets me on this is what you just brought up there at the end. This is a, a seven-and-a-half favorite to UCF here. It opened at two-and-a-half point favorites. So, like, wow. that's a lot of heavy money right on UCF it almost makes you feel like Stanford would be a decent value pick there but I don't know yeah I mean you push through a lot of key numbers there you know three is obviously a key number with winning by a field goal and seven and pushing right through the seven to seven and a half I mean uh Stanford's had its struggles obviously offensively they have faced USC and Northwestern two pretty stout defenses so I'm not sure if they'll feel like they maybe have a little bit more breathing room uh versus UCF um to me, it's going to come down to, you know, will they let K.J. Costello throw? I, I'm a little bit higher on him than most college football guys. I think he is a very nice quarterback. But in Shaw's offense, he just wants to line it up and hand it off too much. And I think if he tries to do that, UCF knows that. And that's the reason Stanford struggled the year, year plus now is because he is unwilling to adopt his offense. And quite frankly, he doesn't have the offensive line now to run that. He he right. does have a good offensive line, but they're not road graders like they used to be when he did have Andrew Luck in an NFL offensive line in front of him. So yep. if they're not willing to adapt, if they're not willing to let KJ throw the ball, uh, I think UCF, to your point, can maybe get out ahead in a hurry. I think it may be positive for Stanford to get behind so they are forced to throw the ball and maybe Shaw will be like, oh, wow, this is working. Let's keep doing this. So – I think it's one of those lay it or don't play it type of deals. Uh, certainly do your reading on who's going to be starting. You know, Darrell Mack had surgery over the offseason. I'm not really too worried. He's been in that offense now for three years. Um, I think he'll probably step in and be ready to go. Um, we'll probably see a little bit of a rotation. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm probably looking UCF here still. I'm just – I need to see something from Stanford before I'm going to yeah. – to back them with with any real money that's fair it's a game i would stay away from totally though Same. because that's a big number for me yeah Same. i'd agree well we're going to move on from college we'll get certainly cal and i's best pick at the end of the show so be staying tuned for that um j mac move us into the nfl here what what do we have going on okay so i guess as we start things on the nfl we'll just hit hit this right out of the gate we're going to talk about the antonio brown thing here for a second um i will preface this with saying we are not in any way going to try this case on this show by any means. Whatever he's done, I don't. It, there are facts on both sides of this. We only we don't know either side of the story in full. Therefore, it's not fair of us to speculate on wh who's done what and who's guilty of what. And if you really want to go out there and know about it, I, we're not even going to go into the specifics or anything like that. It doesn't matter uh, for the purposes of what we're talking about. It matters in a sense that. If he did that, that's a scumbag thing, and he deserves to rot in prison and all that. But, like, we don't want to indict him. We don't want to speak to what's going on with her. So if you want to know the details of it, it's out there. Just go digging. We're not going to go into that. What I am interested in talking about here, though, is the football side of things. Now, last we left off in the show, where, <laughs> where did he play? He, he was play, still with the Raiders, right? Yeah, Correct. he was still with – this happened, what, that was Saturday? A week ago. Yeah, yeah, Saturday he was cut in the morning. We were all firing text off, and at 3 p.m. was when he could officially start talking with other teams, and at 3.30, he had a, a $15 million deal. Story. What do you know? Yeah, Some go good figure. negotiating, man. Give me, yeah. give me Rosenhaus, man. No it was kidding. A quick negotiation there. Yeah, it really was. And so, like, this whole thing, uh, right out of the gate, just kind of reminds me of Randy Moss, 
It's the first thing that popped into my head. It's the same yep. exact situation on the head almost. It's the same teams too. Right. That's what I'm saying. And so <laughs> yeah. like it's one of those things where like you you kind of have that flashback of like almost automatically being in defense of the guy because he's on my team. Like, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, there's some truth in that he he got into Oakland and realized this shit sucks. I need to get yes. the hell out of here. And where's the two best teams to play for? And it would be Kansas City or it would be the Patriots, I would think, in this in his situation. I think those are the two probably the two best teams in the league and certainly favorites. And I think he had full intention to go to Oakland and play football and then realize what was going on when he got out there. Yeah. And panicked and certainly did not handle it the right way. And I almost feel kind of stupid for overreacting to the helmet situation as much as I did because it clearly wasn't about that to me. If you really read between the lines here, like he was trying to get out of there. It's a conscious decision he made and he wanted to go to somebody that was going to be able to win championships. And we were questioning the guys want to play football because that's, I mean, what else are you going to do? That's what it, it seemed insane. But now the writings on the wall was very clear that he had full intentions to go to a team like this. And, what a better way to stick it to the uh, – even though he's not on the field, to the Steelers 33-3 in the first week. I mean, it's just – And didn't even play. Patriots, and it's – I'm disgusted at but I respect it at the same time. So let me ask Jason a question. How yeah. desperate do you have to be to get out of a situation that you consider burning your feet off? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was part of his plan. I, I think that was maybe – I hope that, not, too. <laughs> You know, can't be. A, a helmet, you know, that doesn't cost you your career. Burning your feet can. So right. that, that's what I'm saying. That's that's what. I'm, but if, if that is true, how bad do things have to be? I, I, obviously, yeah, I don't think that's you, true. You know, but this is a guy, though. I mean, not too long ago, he was the sponsor and face for what was it? Pizza Hut. He was doing those commercials for, you know, th this is a guy that has been the face of the NFL to a degree in a lot of companies. So it's interesting to see this all transpire you know on the football side of this all terrific signing you, you know just removing everything that's happened um it's been well chronicled but i'm not sure how you defend the patriots you got two guys that can stretch the field uh and then you got Buddy. a hall of famer in the slot in edelman and then you got kind of the looming gronk can come back at any time so you can't th you can't just, defend that and you have philip dorsett who's a burner too well, right. I, and I text J-Mac, I, I think the door set was very strategically planned on, hey, we're going to get him the ball before A-B gets here, so then we can trade him for a third or fourth round pick to so genius, you know, someone else. This is what Belichick does. I mean, yeah. Same thing with his quarterbacks in the preseason, sets them up for success, trades a guy that was a seventh rounder for a third rounder, trades that third rounder for the uh, next year's two, second round, and then the next year he trades it for a next year's first, and suddenly you have an a guy you took in the seventh round who's cut and he's a, turned into a first round pick for the Patriots. So Man, I mean, it's truly playing chess. Exactly. Really so I, this it's almost unfair. I, you know, you hate to say in September cause it rarely pans out the teams in September, but with their pedigree, dude, it is really hard to imagine a situation where the Patriots are not in the Super Bowl. but I, we're kind of just crashing into a, another chiefs Patriots matchup, which right, buddy looking at it, in the next five years, you don't really see that changing necessarily. No. Worst case scenario, Patriots are in the AFC Championship. I'll tell yeah. you, I don't think they're going to lose a game looking at their schedule. Uh, Look at their schedule. It is If they're 15-0, and 0, they'll lose the, the 16th game. Or 14-0, uh, they well, might lose the 15th game. And now, us talking off air, that's kind of what I joked about. The only way that they lose a game is if they decide to sit everyone in week, uh, week 17. Yeah. And, and even knows. that, it, you may even not. Then looking at it all so bill doesn't you know, operate like that though too much he i mean yeah, he, he he doesn't and when you look at their week 17 it's first the dolphins so your backups are probably better than their starters anyway yes. so you don't have you may be like hey tom and uh tom and ab go get um you know quick 21 nothing lead and they'll just throw in our uh you know jared stidham and let him hand it off to sony michelle for 40 times that game so I mean, I don't let uh, to that point. I just I don't see how anybody stops them. I don't see how you defend them, especially if Gronk comes back, which it I didn't really think that he would. But it's looking more now, and more like that. Now, the only the only loss that I can really see, which is an obvious one, would be the Chiefs at home in week, um, I think, 14 or 15. Right. It, not because they can't beat them. But J-Mac, you can attest to this. The Patriots and Bill know, hey, or 
you know, hey, we could face this team probably in the ASU championship. They're not going to show anything. That's happened with the Steelers, I think, before, you know, the Ravens do. They've had times in their season where you'll just watch go, oh, that's a vanilla offense. They didn't look themselves. They, you know, lost by one score. It was an ugly, you know, 20-24 game type of deal. And then they play that team in the postseason and kill them because Bill knows I'm not going to put a damn thing on tape for Andy Reid to have going into that AFC championship. It doesn't matter, though, because that's – I mean, he – He'll just change his game plan. He does that all the time. He's a game plan master, man. That's the thing. Is he's so adaptable. Justin and I were reading an article today talking about that, and it's just he adapts so much better than these other coaches to one another uh, schemes and, and game plans, and it's just incredible. It just doesn't seem that stop. hard, but it's hard to stop. You're right. It doesn't seem that hard, but it's he's just always on the move. But I will say real quick, I like the Chiefs more than I like the Pats at this very moment. Even with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill out, Antonio Brown on the Pats. I like the Chiefs more. I'm that, I'm crazy, that confident dude. in my That's homes. insane. You're picking against Tom Maybe Brady. Maybe because I'm dude. picking Andy Reid over Bill Belichick. You can convince me that's That's insane. crazy, Pat, too. But Pat Mahomes is just, he's the best player in the league. That's untrue yet. Uh, we're, we, haven't, we need to see more before we start going around, down that hole. Okay. Uh, well, well we will certainly have enough uh, Chiefs games to preview, and Patrick Mahomes certainly a little banged up. Well, I know we're talking about a team on the up-and-up, or two teams on the up-and-up, uh, two teams that are not trending in the right direction. Carolina Panthers, who threw up a stinker, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I was pretty high on uh, with Bruce Arians turning them around. Jam I guess Jameis is unturned around. Thursday night football this week, uh, we got the Panthers favored by a touchdown at home hosting Tampa Bay. Uh, J-Mac, is this something where we're going to see Tampa turn around in a short week? W no. What are you expecting out of this game? Jameis Winston is terrible. That's so what it comes bad. down to. He can't stop throwing picks. And that's the one thing, the one thing that Bruce Arians has been talking about is how we can't turn the ball over that way. And he went out and threw, what, three interceptions the other day? Four? Uh, well, threw two pick sixes. Two pick sixes. Two picks that's six. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. So regardless, like those are the mistakes that they can't afford. They just can't. And I just, I don't, that team's a mess, man. The underutilization of Mike Evans cannot be overstated enough. This is a man that is to me, a top five talent and just, you know, athlete in at the wide, re wide receiver position in the NFL. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's six, five, two can run a four, four. He's a good route runner with good hands and they just don't get him the ball. And I do not understand it. I know he's catching a lot of doubles, but, I guess if Jameis forces it, it's going to get potentially pick six, and that's the issue. But Yeah, well, specifically with Tampa Bay, you know, they had a game where they outgained San Francisco by nearly 50 yards. Uh, they held San Francisco for 0 for 3 in the red zone, and you average uh, 0.2 yards more per play than them. So when you're outgaining, you hold a team 0 for 3 in the red zone, uh, you typically expect to have a W. So I think that was just – to your guys' point, uh, you know, got to find a way to get Mike Evans. Chris Godwin, certainly a guy that I think uh, they're going to continue to attack uh, great in the slot. Carolina does struggle there. So Chris Godwin's a guy, you know, this week that I'm certainly looking to kind of propel your fantasy teams or take a look at some player props because I think this is a real situation. And obviously, Jameis has a comfortability with them uh, here this week where I think that's going to be an area that they can attack. Carolina Panthers side, you know, we saw some turnovers from them that really hurt them versus uh, the Rams, two in the first half that really uh, just killed both drives that they had momentum. They should have been up maybe 10, 14, nothing on the Rams, but couldn't take advantage of that. So I think this is a game Carolina is going to get everything ironed out. You know, Cam was banged up, but there's a lot more talent here. And certainly the home team on these Thursday nights, the home team and favorites seem to do very well. And it's, you know, you talk to a lot of these guys, some of them say they really can't get out of bed even till Thursday after a Sunday NFL game. So under 49, I am not a huge component of NFL Thursday night games for that reason. Under, under 49 feels very doable here because of that exact reason to me. Very true, but it's possible you get 14 points off Jameis throwing the football to the other team. It's a good point. And <laughs> yeah, McCaffrey's going to run it down I don't know if I'd throat. want to back an under here versus any Bruce Arians team because, yeah, if he gets down 21 rip early, he's just going to be chucking ducks. 70 passes. Yeah. who Who's the backup in in Tampa Bay? Because, I mean, could we see – I'm going to look it up here. But, no I mean, longer fits magic. 
Yeah, is this he's, a situation? What's the what's the leash for Winston? Are you saying, hey, we're giving you the whole year because it's your final year? I mean, you have to. You already made like, that decision. Yeah, to, right? Give him the year because, like, I mean, like I said, this is la- are they going to pay him? It, no. it looks very hard to franchise this man after no. what happened last year and They're this gonna- last game. And I was a big fan of James coming into the league, and he actually had was his second year where he actually played really well. I thought. I mean, he still turned the ball over a lot, but he showed a lot of signs of being an elite quarterback with his arm. And he's just inaccurate now. I mean, don't you think that what's the worst case that happens here? So, I mean, you ride him down with the ship. You're terrible. You get a high pick in the draft and you take a quarterback. Yeah, you let him walk. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's really what you do there. In this game, though, I like Carolina. I wouldn't touch the six and a half line. I just yeah. I don't have a good feel either way of that. Carolina money line feels like a pretty good play. Yeah, it's certainly in Blaine Gabbert. Here's their backup. So you oh. you don't really need to see anything there. So I don't think yeah. we're going to see a situation there. We've seen it. Uh, yeah, I'd be probably looking to take the Panthers in the first half, if anything. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to deal with maybe a back door going on. But, um, yeah, that, that's going to be a pretty ugly Thursday night game. Well, uh, from two teams, they'll probably miss the playoffs. To two teams that we've talked about at nauseum on this podcast already, one of the oldest rivalries and uh, one that gave us a tie in overtime with multiple field, missed field goals last year, the Minnesota Vikings head on the road to Green Bay in nice weather for once. Packers are a three-point favorite here as Matt LaFleur uh, looks to continue to get a two-game win streak. Uh, fantastic to see the Packers kind of dethrone the Bears last week, and uh, Minnesota Vikings throttled Atlanta. Uh, I'll start with you, J-Mac. Uh, I guess, were you more surprised with the Vikings' performance or the Packers' defense last week? I think that Mitch Trubisky threw Chicago out of that game at the end of the day because his while his stats look great, or okay, he played like ass. Like, we were on the live stream talking about it the entire time. So I think it made Green Bay's defense look a little bit better than they maybe are getting credit for right now. On the yep. other side of that, I mean, I think Minnesota, I mean, I didn't watch much of their game last week. How did they look overall, Jason? Yeah, and we've talked about Minnesota a lot. It's going to be a team that has a lot of success when they face a defense without a, an elite D-line because they want to run the ball. Dalvin Cook looked great. Uh, the rookie Madison out of Boise State looked fantastic. And, and that's what they want to do every week, establish the run, hit the play action to Thielen and Rudolph down the seam, You know, take the shot to Diggs when they need to. Um, and, and the Packers' defense looked a lot, a lot more improved. So I, I'm more interested to see – how this Vikings offensive line can handle a step up in defense yeah. right. compared to an Atlanta team where I've been very down on them, Bloody. including the offseason. So I liked what we saw, but again, it's kind of the same tale as last year. Yeah, they really do find a way to beat up on the bad teams, but can they take this next step up, especially on the road? Yeah, and I'm excited to see them step up, and I think they will make a lot of this opportunity. I don't know about the three points because it's strange to me because you basically give a three-point premium for – being on the road. If this is a pick'em game at Minnesota, I would play Minnesota pick'em. Well, home. it'd be minus three Minnesota then. Okay, yeah, I guess it would swing that way. I would actually probably play that because I like Minnesota at home. Uh, you guys know how high I am on them since I picked them to win this division. Their defense played really well last week. I think that's going to continue this week. It may not be quite as good at Chicago as far as getting to the passer, so they may give up more than 10 points to the Packers, but uh, to Justin's point, I think the Packers defense looked very it looked great. It looked great at spots, but that was because of what Mitch Trubisky was doing, and he just can't make some of these throws. And the play calling was terrible. Yeah, that was the worst part of the game. Matt Nagy yeah. laid up that a third and one where he just ran to the left, <laughs> like with no one open. Like the tight end was covered. It was like, what was happening here? And that's terrible. where I was like, I don't really have faith in this offense. No. Uh, all that being said, I'm taking Minnesota to to win this game. Yeah, uh, just briefly on that, Matt Nagy's going to feed David Montgomery. Looked much yeah. better. Uh, ridiculous that Mike Davis is getting more snaps than him. So I'll I'll die on a hill for David Montgomery. Uh, yeah, I, I'm certainly looking for the Vikings here. I think it's a better overall team. I think LaFleur got a little lucky. I still need to see him proven. Uh, to what you mentioned, Trubisky really lost that game. But, you know, I, I did like what we saw in a Valdez Scantley for the Packers, certainly emerging. Uh, yep. We talked about this in the offseason, kind of him or Allison stepping up. Jimmy Graham actually looked very healthy as well, which is huge for that team uh, down the seam. So He always think, does early on, though, is the only thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot to like. The offensive line looked uh, pretty steady outside of Billy Turner there at right guard getting eaten alive by Khalil Mack. So can, can they steady that ship? They certainly won't have Khalil Mack, but Everson Griffin and, and Hunter there are a force with Minnesota as well. So I'm just looking forward to it because I think it's going to be a great measuring stick for both squads that we have question marks in different spots for. Definitely. All right, what game well, next? Well, moving on from the Vikings and Packers to an AFC-NFC matchup versus uh, two teams that's had success earlier in this century, we have the Seahawks heading on the road to the Steelers. The Seahawks squeaked out a win versus the Andy Dalton Cincinnati Bengals, which is a little bit shocking, and the Steelers open at a three-point favorite and is pushed out to four now, trending towards four and a half. Um, J-Mac, are you thinking the Steelers get back on track after that, that whooping that they took from the Patriots, or do you think the Seahawks kind of rebound after their lackluster performance versus Cincinnati? Was this maybe a look ahead for them last week? Are you not worried? Uh, for me, give me the Seahawks all day long in this game. I thought Pittsburgh looked horrible, and I didn't wow. think that they game plan for shit. Like Mike Tomlin seemed like he was a turtle on his back the entire game for some reason, and he's never like that. I've never seen that out of him. He was outclassed by Belichick in that game. I mean, yeah, most are, but I think I, I don't know. I just I feel like a near loss to the Bengals has got to light a little bit of a fire under this Seattle team. I think you're going to get Carson going a little bit harder. I mean, I don't know. I just I I I feel like the Steelers are just not going to be what everybody thinks they were. I know Kyle, you're a little higher on them than I am. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to disagree with you on this. I think this is definitely a game I like the Steelers more. I don't know about it on the line. I like them to win for sure. I, I would probably take them if I was going to touch this line. I would go lean their way a little bit, but I think they bounce back completely. They're at home. I think they get James Conner going. I did not like what I saw from Seattle in their offense last week at all. I don't think that offense is going to travel very well. So I'm, I'm much more confident in – Pittsburgh, even though they got beat by 30 points in Seattle one last week, because of the competition that each team was playing, I'm actually more concerned about Seattle at this point. I have more question marks there. Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on the Steelers. You know, again, I've talked to nauseam. I think this is a team that's really built well. The defense is solid. You know, it's going to be tough to hold that Patriots team down, which they did for points in the game until it really got away. I mean, Right. The game was, to your point, Mike Tomlin's to blame. You're kicking a field goal down 20 at the right. one-yard line. I mean, you just can't do that. That's no. an opportunity to get back into the game they right there. could not Make score. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, but making it 20-7 to seven is a different story. Um, great matchup for Juju here. Really going to have the bounce-back week. I think he'll have 150 yards, yep. two touchdowns. I like Juju's matchup this week versus uh, Seattle. That secondary is horrendous, uh, especially – I. Just telling you right now, go get on some juju props there. Um, it seems like a get right spot for the Steelers. Not worried about this team. Mike Tomlin's always been out coached by Bill Belichick. I don't use this game as a measuring stick because I, we knew that was going to happen. I mean, you just you're not going to make money fading Bill Belichick in these prime time spots, especially no. versus Mike uh, yeah. Tomlin. So I'm not at all worried. I'm extremely worried about the Seahawks, and mainly because I don't understand the concept of paying a quarterback. $30 million to throw the ball 15 to 20 times a week. It's it's set them up into a position now where you have TJ Lockett as your number one wide receiver, who's not a number one, and then you have a DK Metcalf who can't run anything but a go route, for God's sakes. They don't have anyone to throw the ball to with Doug Baldwin retired. So Dude, Metcalf can hit you a lot of bicep curls, though. That's it. But oh, That's not how you catch a football, my bad. I, I just don't get why you're spending this much money on a guy that you're not asking you to consistently win games and you're expecting seventh-round picks out of Oklahoma State and Chris Carson to do that for you, which is fine. But when you're spending that much money on a position that you're not utilizing, this is what happens. So um glad they snuck out the win. A lot of survivor pool folks were happy that they got that win too. Um, so good for myself. Exactly. A lot of people had Seattle and uh, them and the Eagles really snuck up on some folks. So this is one where I'm almost buying down to three. It did open up at that. If you grabbed it early, reward yourself, probably buy it down to about minus 140. Not always into the juice, but it's a situation where Seattle's a good team that can really, you know, wrestle with his wheels if he's down 10 with five minutes to go can just bust a 30 yarder on you. So I'm not looking to get into that dead zone of four four and a half but i think this is certainly a steelers game that's gonna really ramp up uh so j mac you're on the the seahawks though here i am all right 
Uh, well, moving from, uh, you know, those two teams, we have a rematch from the NFC Championship game, which I know we're all excited for. J-Mac and I have been talking extensively about it. New Orleans Saints head onto the road after the Monday night magic with the 58-yard field goal to go to L.A. and play the Jared Goff Rams. Uh, Goff looked a little little uh, touch and go there, yeah, which we kind of predicted on this show. J-Mac, what's your thoughts with this rematch? I say get on the Saints and get on them early because I think they're coming back for revenge. Drew Brees looked electric this last week. The Texans yep. definitely took him down to the wire, but, I mean, I I trust Drew Brees all day long to pull out any kind of last-minute victory regardless of how you get there. I think Jared Goff did look really rusty. I think some of the parts looked a little bit rusty overall. You might have a little bit of a hangover, World, uh, World Series hangover, Super Bowl-type hangover-type situation happening, having just been there. You know, you've still got a lot of young guys. You still you lost some veterans. There's a lot of happening there with the Rams. I think everything will get shaken out. I think they'll get better as the season goes along. I think this is a great spot for the Saints, though. Absolutely agree. I think part of the Rams' struggle this week was what we talked about. You know, West Coast team traveling out to the East Coast, playing an early game. You know, those guys are playing 9 a.m. West Coast time. And it's week one, and the Rams didn't play hardly any. In the I don't think I don't know if Jared Goff, how many snaps he took in the preseason. wasn't a lot. Zero. Yeah, so that being said, I do think that the Rams are going to – I mean, they put up 30 points, but I think they're going to even turn it on a little bit more. I love the Saints in this game, though. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. love the Saints. This is something I've already locked in at plus three. It's down to two and a half already. You know, probably sit in that dead zone, but getting the three is huge here. And Saints match up really well. And uh, this is one they had circled. And as we talked about, same with the Rams <laughs> – Saints rested everyone in the preseason, too. They look just fine in the second half, roasting that below-average Texans defense, Kyle. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. got to take the jabs when you can. I'm not at all worried. I think they, you know, this is a great spot for an over as well. The Saints are going to have absolutely no problem throwing up 40 points and never letting off the What's gas. that number, though? It's got to be mid to high 50s. Uh, yeah, 52. We'll, we'll, che- we'll check on that. It's, it's gotta, yeah, it's 52. high for an NFL game, though. Yeah, so it's up there, but it's certainly a game where I'm looking to grab the plus three and probably do a little bit of a sprinkle with the Saints money line. I I need to see Goff get in that rhythm first. He looked awful, and you just can't underestimate the motivation that the Saints have here. And they know it's a big measuring stick. I mean, this is could be a tiebreaker for a home field advantage for them as well, and uh, having that again is huge for the New Orleans Saints. I just don't want to break it down too much because I'm just very bullish on the Saints in this situation. Yep. I really like how their receiving core specifically matches up against the corners of the Rams. I think that's the biggest difference. And as we saw against the Texans, because I think the Texans secondary is their biggest issue on the defense. You know, Drew Brees in that third and specifically fourth quarter and keep moments really, really dice them up. And I think he's going to do that to the Rams secondary. Uh, this is a game, like you said, I, I like the Rams scoring at least four or five touchdowns in this game. Yeah. I'm, or excuse I'm me, the Saints. The Saints, yeah. I am curious on the Rams front. We didn't see a ton of Todd Gurley. Uh, he he did have the fumbles, which certainly <laughs> puts you in anyone's doghouse. But uh, still, you're paying the guy top dollar. You're seeing Malcolm Brown. I, I'm just interested to see, it, it, was it more of a load management, easing him into it? Was it? I, I don't know. Is there still a knee injury? We got to see that. But you know, if Todd Gurley's only touching the ball 10 to 12 times a game, I think it really does change what that offense looks like. While Cooper Cup's still getting back into the rhythm of things from his injury, mm-hmm. you know, the offensive line, I think, it's a tick of a downgrade from last year. So I don't think it's exactly the same Rams team that the Saints lost to, but I think it's a team that's not necessarily in their rhythm quite yet. Yep. Well, moving on from the Saints and Rams, we do have the Philadelphia Eagles heading on the road to the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, the Atlanta Falcons are a two-point underdog, kind of bouncing around that two to three range, depending where you're looking. I'd say one of the more confusing lines, considering the Falcons looked absolutely dreadful on the road. And the Eagles' offense, certainly another team that rested starters in the preseason, but clicked in the second half. Um, Kyle, you're nodding your head. To me, I'm just confused. I feel like the Eagles will go in there and romp Atlanta. Do you have anything to dispute that? Yeah. No, no, I can't dispute that at all. I mean, what we saw out of Atlanta, uh, excuse me, out of Philadelphia in the second half, Carson Wentz really got going and showed what I think he can be if he stays healthy. I think this offense has a lot of potential. Uh, the rookie running back came in, and I thought he made a lot of big plays. And Atlanta is just a team 
as I talked about when we were making our predictions on who was going to win the NFC South, not a team that I'm high on whatsoever. Uh, I do think that they're going to play better at home. They're going to score more than 12 points at home for sure. That being said, though, I do not think that this defense is going to be able to stop Philadelphia, whether it, you know, maybe it's a game that starts slow. Like it's not a game I would look at the first half line on, but I like Philly uh, as a road, road team going in there and getting a win for sure. I, yeah, I'm with Jason. I don't understand this line at all. I, I I think they do a little bit better than 12 points from last week. I think they they they'll get things going. They'll get Julio going. You know, things will get clicking a little bit. But I mean, the way the Eagles started off so rusty against the Redskins and then just turned on the gas in the second half. I mean, the Redskins were out of it almost immediately in the second half, and we all knew that was going to happen. But yep. I don't see why the Eagles wouldn't keep clicking along. I really don't. Yeah, you know, the Eagles match up, I think, really well here. I mean, their offensive line should have absolutely no issue blocking the non-existent pass rush that the Falcons have. Uh, And then, you know, the Deshaun Jackson acquisition that we talked about in the offseason certainly paid dividends from what we saw. And Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, both getting involved more and more in this offense. And, Kyle, you mentioned it, a guy that I love, Miles Sanders out of Penn State, um, out-snapped Jordan Howard. Kind of the surprising part was seeing Darren Sproles and Miles Sanders lead that backfield. Yep. Uh, he, he looked terrific in pass blocking, which if you want to get on the field, it, it, it's the same thing in baseball. If you want to get on the field, be a catcher. You know, there's injuries. That's the quickest way. Quickest way in the NFL to get on the field is be a pass blocking third down running back. I know yep. they have Darren Sproles. Yeah. Miles Sanders was plugged in there on passing situations because he got the job done. Jordan Howard is, you know, a guy that they traded a six-round pick for. He's getting paid nothing. They don't care. They spent a second-round pick on Miles Sanders. He's going to be on the field. He's going to continue to be a playmaker. He was in the red zone, a guy I really like. And, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, you have to recognize the talent. You can't be blind just because they're in the division of your team. But this Eagles offense is certainly the best in the NFC. And I just don't see how Atlanta stops it unless they're able to get ahead early. Wow. I think he's the best in the NFC? Best in the NFC easily, hands down, between Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, the double tight ends they got. I love Miles Sanders. And we know Sproles looks just the same as Electric. He's still able to pinball around. I mean, it's unbelievable what that guy's able to do. And, and again, that offensive line, now that it's healthy again, now they did lose Malik Jackson across the defensive line for the year. That did come out today. That is a little bit of a concern, but versus the Atlanta Falcons, I'm not sure that it's going to necessarily show as much but that's not going to affect this offense and how it's able to hum. It's um, I'm not sure what the over-under is. I think it was around 49.50 last time I checked, but it, it's kind of an over-under that I would take a look at because I, I think we're going to see the Eagles skate out ahead and we're going to see some back-and-forth turf shows. Yeah, and, man, I really don't understand the line either. I don't think the Eagles are the best offense in the NFC. I'd probably put them third or fourth. I really like what New Orleans is doing. I really like what Dallas is doing, and – Depending on what we see out of L.A. over the next three or four weeks, I kind of like the Rams more. That being said, I think they're going to absolutely cover this line. Um, it's not my my number one confidence pick for the NFL I'm going with, but I would not – I have no confidence in putting money on Atlanta. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. All right. Absolutely. So we're, we're all pretty uh, – it, it, sometimes, though, it doesn't make sense. You should just stay the heck away because exactly. – right. So it knows something. So That's what scares um, me about this is it feels like somebody knows something that I don't. Right, we knows more than us. We just have to remember that. It's that very is true. very true. So maybe one we stay away from trying to watch, uh, you know, for a live betting opportunity if so it gets down early. Um, well, from from that to probably a, a non-exciting uh, Monday night football game, we touched on the Browns earlier, certain a team that did not come to expectations week one, and uh, a Jets team that blew a, a huge lead at home. Uh, Adam Gay certainly not making positive vibes in New York through his week one. Um, J-Mac, are you concerned about the Browns or Jets more? I mean, (laughs) this is a matchup that's so good. It's going to be incredibly boring because I don't really, I mean, the Jets are trying out kickers this week. You know, I mean, (laughs) that's what we're looking at there. And I mean, I I just, we talked about at the very beginning of the show. And of course, this is going to be how we wind out the show in a way other than you guys pick of the week. But I just. Don't I? Some about Cleveland doesn't feel right to me. There's a lot of, 
I mean, o- OBJ, for Christ's sake, is sitting there wearing a watch during a game. And regardless of how much it costs, I don't care if it's a Timex. Like, that's just a distraction. And he knows that's a distraction. And he did that shit whenever he was with the Giants. And I just don't it's who know he is. why he It's who he is. Yeah. And it's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Because this is just a distraction that this team doesn't need. And you had in the game last week, I mean, Cleveland looked horrible all the way around. They got destroyed on both sides of the ball. And you had so many instances where Baker was having to, was feeling like he had to make something happen. And every time he tried to do that, it was capitalized against him. And I, I just think that there's a lot to be figured out there. And that, that offensive line in Cleveland is way lesser than we maybe anticipated. I think a lot of people forget about that. Yeah, and when you ask the question, Jason, you know, who are you maybe more concerned about between the Jets and the Browns? I think that comes back to who do you what were the expectations? Because I saw the Jets as a seven win team where I saw the Browns as a nine or ten win team. So from yeah, from that from that front, I would say I'm more concerned about the Browns because they did not look like a ten win team. They looked like a six win team last week. And uh, you know, the Jets, they were they were up in that game. You know, they had a chance to uh to win that game, but a lot of the same stuff, same issues that I have with the Jets is they just don't make smart plays in the third and fourth quarter. And I don't know if that comes down to, to Bulls coaching or if that comes down to Sam Darnold just being too young. Uh, obviously, adding Le'Veon does give them a little bit more stability, but that's not a team I'm bullish on. And that's not a game I'm really interested in. The NFL's got to schedule better than that for us. Yeah, I'd say there's certainly, as J-Mac mentioned, concerns across the offensive line. Um, for the Cleveland Browns, just there, there was opportunities where guys weren't even blocking. Um, you, you certainly want to monitor Baker's injury with the throwing hand, what's going on there. Um, the, the defense did look pretty solid. They were just putting in a lot of bad situations where they, they didn't have any opportunities. Um, you know, sure. Freddie Kitchens is a first-year head coach, so um, there is that learning curve. You know, last year, first-year coaches went 0-5 straight up. Uh, so, you know, we saw LaFleur get his win, but there is something to be said about going through it once. I mean, he hasn't been through that rodeo. So it's an opportunity for him to get right. I'm not a huge Adam Gase fan. I, I don't think there's a lot there in the, with the Jets either. They did trade for Demarius Thomas, but is he even healthy? So they don't have a lot of options to throw to. And really what the Bills did was they figured that out and just loaded the box. So let me tell you uh, something, though. Bell's, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, with. Real quick, to hit on the Jets before you get to Lev Bell, because I think that's its own conversation, because he looked really good. Um, I just think that like if Bill Belichick comes calling, in this case, Demarius Thomas, you should not do that trade ever. Like He's right. He's going to fleece you. So I, I just worry about what... I mean, I think we saw... Who did they lose this week Were they brought... Is the why they brought him in? They Couldn't lost one you. of their receivers. Sorry. Anyway, was they it Crowder? Did Crowder get hurt? No. No. It was somebody else. But Crowder regardless... did have like 15 targets. That was insane. Yeah. Uh, but you got him and Robbie Anderson. It's not the worst pairing, but I mean, it's not not the best. Not great. Not, not the best. But yeah. to J Max point, you know, they they had to dump Thomas anyways. I mean, yeah, there wasn't sure. room with AB. But yeah, when you're just getting a six, I mean, there's been a lot of positive reports about his speed anymore. Either. Right. Right. So. I mean, I think to your point, all of that to be said. I mean, I, I mean, what did you guys think of Le'Veon Bell, Jason? You can start it. Like, what did you think of him? Yeah, he looked great in the first half. Uh, didn't really look like he skipped a beat. I really wasn't too high on him coming into the year. Um, but again, once he got keyed on, I mean, he's never had that. I mean, he spent his time in Pittsburgh. He's never had to deal with a situation with loaded boxes or not having the time for the plays to develop and. The, the Jets were in a situation where they had to get Khalil out of retirement to play center because they realized they didn't have a starting center, for God's sake. So it's just, again, it's just a team that's got a lot more issues. I did like the C.J. Mosley signing. He was all over the field. That that was fantastic. They do they got a lot of talent. It just hasn't come together yet. It's still a year or two away. I do like Darnold as a prospect. I'm just not sure Adam Gase is the guy to get him there. So. No. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that relationship develops and if they can get someone in there with them because I do think Darnold is a franchise quarterback. It just depends when he can get there. Yeah, yeah. I think Darnold is a franchise quarterback and, and will develop into that. I mean, this is year two. We got to be patient. But putting guys around Levy, like Le'Veon Bell around him is a great idea, but he needs a little bit more, I think, from the wide receiver tight end position. And obviously, the protection is a big part of it. And Adam Gates isn't that guy that's going to get them to that next level. I mean, he's kind of like a Band-Aid until you find the right guy to come into that market as 
the secondary team in that market, which is just kind of a tough position and not really that ideal. Uh, that being said, though, I think you got to continue to be patient with Sam Darnold, even though the record is not going to be great this year. I mean, Chip Kelly will be be available immediately. I mean, absolutely, he's always available to come back. So I'm sure they could, you know, maybe make that happen. He is 11 and 35 since that one decent year at Philly, where Michael Vick went off, and he's made like 36 million dollars since then. It's, it's honestly criminal. Unbelievable. In, in bigger news, OBJ <laughs> is the first, first. Um, head uh, however you want to word this the face of pedialyte he is doing all their sponsorship ads so okay. you know it's pedialyte drink designed for kids yeah, more now for college kids hung over yeah. he is now the face for pedialyte for obvious reasons because they're trying to attract uh maybe the millennials so something to watch out for is he drinking pedialyte on the sidelines i don't know we gotta talk about it right <laughs> and also did he wear that watch in the game because that was part of a sponsorship thing you yes. almost have to think he yes. did right that, okay. that was a sponsorship okay correct that's still dangerous yeah. i don't have any i don't have an issue with it though dude it's, I, I, it's indifferent to me i could care less but he looks ridiculous it's the same Agreed. with the it's the guys who got their chains hanging out of their jerseys it looks do what you want they're going to break. Don't Dude, that's your $100,000 hanging out that yeah. can get snapped off, not mine. Yeah, I, it does, does not affect Just me. put up 30 fantasy points, but yeah. boom. Well, we've covered kind of the bigger games. It's light on the NCAA football front. It's a little bit lighter on the or the, say the NFL front as well. Not a lot of marquee matchups. Colin, I'm going to head to you first. Uh, I need a college and NFL best bet. Where, where are you looking first? So I, I don't want to steal – any of your any of your thunder so you let me know if this is your college picks i think we're aligned on this thinking but i love the ou first half line the minus 12 minus 12 and a half maybe depending on what book you're looking at uh they're going to ucla so they're going out to the west coast it's a later game that being said that offense travels ucla cannot they gave up 23 to san diego state and 24 to cincinnati that assures you oklahoma's scoring at least 50 points um i love them to cover that 12 and a half in the first half no, I like that. Uh, I'll go in a different direction. Um, another 11 a.m. kickoff like I gave you guys last week with Kansas State. I'm heading to the NCAA State Wolfpack who head on the road to play West Virginia. I'm taking their team total under 27 and a half points. For West um, Virginia? Not sure if it's still available. Um, it's kind of been dummied down a lot, but um, West Virginia a little bit underrated. I'm not high on NC State either. They lost a lot of talent, so taking the under 27 and a half team total there. Wow. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to throw it back to you. Do you have uh, an NFL pick for us as well? I do. I like the uh, the team under. That's an exotic pick. Um, for the NFL, trying to avoid uh, too much bias here, but I, ha- I have to go I have to go with my Dallas Cowboys. I'm seeing it minus four and a half. You let me know if you're seeing it at a different number. Yeah, minus four and a half. That's pretty solid around. You know, I know – you know, Washington hung tight with Philadelphia last uh, last week, and I want to give credit to them. That being said, what I saw out of Dallas, I don't see them winning this game by less than a touchdown. I don't – you know, even though Case Keenan put up 380 yards and I was comparing him to Dak Prescott, which Justin uh, did not hesitate to uh, remind me was an absolute absurd comparison, I don't see how Dallas doesn't win this game by a touchdown. Yeah, I think Dallas is kind of to a point now where – they have that ability to beat up on the worst teams. You know, it's not, hey, they should win, but you never know. I, yeah. I think they're to a point where they got enough talent where, hey, they'll be able to rise to the top. So I definitely right. like that pick. Um, my NFL pick probably won't shock anyone. Uh, we talked about a nauseam. I'm all, I'm all over the Saints. I grabbed plus three earlier in the week. I continue to buy back up to that or sprinkle on the money line, whatever you're comfortable with. But I, I think this is a great spot for them. Uh, there's not a huge home field advantage for the Rams considering they don't really have their own home stadium. Not at all. So I, I don't think – I mean, I agree with the fact that these are probably two even teams, but I don't agree with giving them a three-point home advantage spread. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ride with the Saints. You know, we didn't do this last week, but Kyle, do you have any underdog in NCA or NFL that you're kind of looking? It doesn't have to be a massive one but maybe one that piqued your eye. If you need a minute, I'm happy to go into mine as well. Yeah, you go ahead with yours. I have, I'm have. i checking to see. Mine might be an even pick em. I'm going to see what the line is well, right now. That's fine. Well, I'll touch on mine. It's going to be a college football 230 start. Uh, we saw USC come back last week and uh, beat Stanford in the second half. 
They, I'm going to fade them this week as they head on the road to BYU. I like Zach Wilson, the okay. true freshman for BYU. They're a team who I think has a lot more talent up front on both sides of the ball. And BYU is a tough environment to play in. And I just think with uh, the step down of the AD, Lynn Swan, there's a lot of question marks with Clay Helton. Obviously a true freshman with his first road game. Uh, it's around plus five, plus six, uh, but I'm going to okay. try to take some a stab on the money line, plus 200, see if I can double up. I just think it's a team that isn't that different than USC, uh, you know, maybe on uh, paper or matchup-wise, and I think we're getting a lot of value with a home team with a freshman quarterback on the road. I like it. That's a that's a confident pick. I like that. So the team, there's two. I'll give you two here, actually. I was looking at the TCU-Purdue line, which actually opened up at a pick em. It's now moved to TCU minus two, minus two and a half, which okay. I would take that even though it's a road game. Um, and Purdue looked decent against Vanderbilt last week. I really like the way TCU's defense is constructed. I think their offensive line with a couple of first-round picks on it is going to be a lot for Purdue to handle, and I like TCU to cover that easily. As far as my true underdog, though, you got Minnesota, you know, plus three. <laughs> I might just go grab that money line going into Lambo. Ooh, okay. the Vikings as getting, a dog. I'm getting a cocky. Dog. I'm getting cocky with my uh, NFC North pick after their. Uh, I, I I really like that defense and I like the way it performed last week. I like when Kirk Cousins can throw ten passes and Dalvin Cook can get a bunch of touches, and uh, like I said, the rookie Madison can get a bunch of touches. That's the recipe for success for that team. For sure. Wow. Well, you can, got it here. We got two live dogs for you guys, and we're, we're pretty excited. Can I give you one more? Absolutely. I really like San Francisco against Cincinnati this weekend. Probably money line here. San Francisco took care of business against a really bad Bucks team, but even so, I don't know if the Bengals have that same fight again. Right. Going with San Francisco here. There's okay. three dogs for you. All right. We like it. We'll keep them barking. J-Mac, roll us out of here. All right, we want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. Check out the website, that's sensiblyloud.com. Make sure to check us out on Facebook, that's Sensibly Loud Media. And make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, that's Sensibly Loud. We want to remind everyone also, please give us a call. We want to hear from you guys. Leave us a voicemail at our number. That number is 972-885-9361. Leave us voicemail. We want to hear all you guys' thoughts, opinions, if we suck, if we don't suck. We want to hear from you guys, so please give us a call. Again, that number 972-885-9361, and we'll see you guys later on this week.